Hi, this is Paula. And I'm Joseph, and you're listening to Life Lived Better. Well, hey there. How are you doing? I'm doing well, great. I'm looking forward to getting into our part two of this episode. How are yeah. things going in your life? Everything's pretty good here. My only complaint is the heat and my air conditioner can't seem to keep up. We've had to have the repair guy out. He's coming out today for the third time. So what hopefully a time we get the... for air in Texas <laughs> to go. I did notice though, it's like in the nineties today, rather than over a hundred, uh, it's oh, going nice. to get over a hundred, but you know, we're just in the start of the afternoon. So yeah, it's 12 o'clock. So uh, that's <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> exactly. This week, my son will be moving out of state for law school. I am working on those feelings. Wow. That's um, big. I know I told the dog last night, um, I'm very sad, but excited. So I'm going to have to focus on the excited part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so, a big change. It really is. I mean, I'm so grateful he stayed here for undergrad. So I got to, you know, uh, be around him longer. I enjoy him. I mean, I enjoy being around him. So, but I'm very excited about this opportunity for him. I, I never had an opportunity like that. And I know he had to work hard to get it. So um, I'm going to focus on the exciting part of it for him. Yeah. And being proud. Yes. I'm very proud. I'm, I've always known he was a smart guy. I just, you know, I I felt like I was kind of smart too, but I, didn't perform as a smart person for many years, <laughs> not in college. So it, it's, it's really exciting that at his age, he's kind of got his focus on and um, it's only, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's it, where he's moving is, is something I can drive if necessary. Cause he, yeah. Penn state was on his list. They wanted him and he was interested and he did visit, but it was an all day trip by air and then getting in a car and driving. And I thought, mm. you know, if I really, really want to see him, all I have to do is get in a car for several yeah. hours. It's not an all day in the air kind of issue. So that's, that's yeah. a bonus. That's a yeah, positive. Definitely. definitely. I'm excited mm. about that. Well, and you'll have a new room, an empty room in your house. You can turn into something. I hate to even tell him. I've already sketched out how I'm going to set it up. <laughs> he asked us earlier this week, what are you going to do with my room? Oh, I, I want to act like I haven't got plans for it, but that's, I do. <laughs> that's funny. There will always be a bed for him. Yeah. So, so part two. Yes. So today we're going to talk about some examples of negative self-talk. And then I think we have some solutions to yes. kind of changing your negative self-talk towards the end. We do, because we talked about how, you know, those tapes we play in our head impact the outcome of everything for us in our last episode. And if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and listen to that one first. I think that will help you better understand what self-talk is. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, we're going to do the examples of positive and negative. Well, let's get right into it. So why don't we talk a little bit first about the negative, just kind of some examples of how we types of negative self-talk we get use. So first up is all or nothing thinking. An example of all or nothing thinking would be if I don't do this, I'll be a complete failure. Mm -hmm. um, so this kind of negative thinking basically is just an, an exaggeration um, of the importance of something 
the classic example is you say your life will be over if you fail an exam. Mm -hmm. Um, so just like catastrophizing kind of um, thinking. I see Is this there... show up a lot in it, uh, with with people in treatment for addiction, mm -hmm. especially with addiction and recovery. You know, like I either am totally abstinent or I'm not in recovery. You yeah. Know, no in between there. No. I, if I make a mistake, I can kind of shift gears or you know, that, that I'll fail at all. It's, it's either all black or white, just this way or that way. Right. Right. I okay. see that definitely in treatment as well. And then folks that have been in the program for a long time tend to have very black and white thinking about recovery. I, I totally, do. I totally agree. If someone is in this black and white thinking process, what should they do? How can they change it? Well, you have to think to yourself, um, yes, you may fail the exam, but life continues anyway. Like things will still, life will still go on no matter what the thinking is. And it's just a matter, I think, of switching the, you know, the tail end of that message into something realistic and something positive. Mm -hmm. I'd always think there's this technique we all have learned it as counselors uh, called motivational interviewing. And one of the things they teach is, to help a client, but I find this also helps me is like, if someone's doing a black and white kind of thing is the, like, what's the best case scenario? Like what, what way could it go that would be the best for you? Mm -hmm. Then what's the worst case scenario? Well, what's probable? And you can kind of like talk it out like that. Cause most of the time when we're worried about things and we think if I fail this exam, you know, my life's over, that's, worst case scenario right <laughs> that's even not even probably probable you know best case scenario i walk in i ace the exam and i get whatever it is they graduate me tomorrow or mm -hmm. i get the i get the license that i was testing for or whatever and what's probable well and that's somewhere in between usually that's mm -hmm. you know, based more in reality and that always helps me settle down a little yeah yeah, it seems very real, I think, when you have those messages circling around, but you have to step back and, and like you said, practice some of those techniques in order to see that it's, you know, it's just a thought. It's just mm -hmm. something that's happening right now in your head. It's not necessarily real. Yeah, I like that. It's just a thought. It's it's not a fact. Mm -hmm. well, the next one we have is disqualifying the positives, like everything's always bad. And that's a form of cognitive bias like thoughts like I'm a terrible person and that's not realistic. Like you just said, it's just a thought. It's, it's not realistic. And when we focus on I'm a bad person, that means usually we're disqualifying anything positive about us. You know, most of us have are made up of good and bad parts and we can focus on both or one. And if we're only looking at the negative, then we need to look, start looking at the positive, you know, something negative's going on, try to focus a little bit more on the positive and don't always ignore the positive stuff. stuff. I know one of the examples I liked that this, that our resources gave us is like, if you're going through a bad time in your life, like you're going through a divorce, there's still some positive elements, you know, like. The, the the marriage might be over, but, you know, people get divorced for a reason. So what are the positives that are going to come out of that? Mm -hmm. And and for people who struggle, 
and can't find the positives, they always ignore the positives. There are some positive thinking meditations that they can use. And we'll put that link in the show notes. And I know we have an upcoming episode, probably within the next 10 episodes, where we will be addressing some positive thinking techniques. And this is a great one where affirmations and gratitude can really come into play, like identifying a few affirmations that you can repeat and kind of put around different places where you're reminded and you see them. And then that gratitude, just thinking of three things that you're grateful for every day and jotting them down, um, that really does help kind of rewire our thinking and get us into a more positive headspace. It really does. And I like the idea of just having those things around, you know, sticky Mm -hmm. notes or written on your mirror or something, because if it is like you said earlier, it's just a thought. That means if we're just reminded and we have a desire to do so, we can change it to a different Mm -hmm. thought. Well, next up is negative self-labeling. So an example is I'm a complete failure and I always will be. Just thinking the worst about yourself, suffering from overwhelming kind of negativity. Self-labeling is obsessively thinking negatively about things and about yourself, saying things like I'm a total loser, my life sucks, why am I so stupid, I'm a bad person, I'm fat you know, different messages like that that kind of float around in our headspace and take up a lot of real estate. So trying to kind of get those out and replace them with positives. Sometimes they're, again, like we mentioned earlier, sometimes there may be truths to some of the things that we're thinking. If you think you're an alcoholic and you truly have an addiction problem, then that's a a truth in that thought, correct? Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily something positive. Nobody wants to be labeled an alcoholic or an addict, but reality is sometimes that is the case. But just remembering that you can still be positive. You can still find instances and think to yourself like things like I'm fighting to overcome my addiction. I'm in recovery. I'm doing things actively to support my recovery efforts, Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. And people, I think people in early recovery really struggle with this because many times addiction does wreak havoc on your life and you hurt people. And if those people throw those messages at you all the time, it it would be really easy to get caught up in that. I'm a bad person. I'm an awful, morally bankrupt kind of person. Mm -hmm. So I like that idea of of just changing it, you know, um, the recovery movement that started in our field about 10 or 15 years ago that changed the language of our field. We encourage clients now not to say, I'm an, I'm an addict, I'm a junkie that rather than that, say I'm a person in recovery, Mm -hmm. you know, put your, put yourself first, that, that we're all a lot of things, but we have to, language is important. We, have to focus on something that's positive, even if there are negatives that we need to acknowledge, just the way we say it can Mm -hmm. make it such a difference. I look at these examples and I know there was a time in my life that I said these things, but today I would not, I would not say like, oh, I'm so stupid. I just, that wouldn't even come into my head. I may, I may think what a stupid mistake, (laughs) when, if I make a stupid mistake, but not, I'm stupid, I'm stupid. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, I'm so glad I've reprogrammed that part. Next up is catastrophizing. I think you mentioned this earlier and that is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the worst possible. It's not just a bad day. It's not just a, an hour long difficult meeting. It's just the worst thing of all time. And you can't get past the suffering through something awful. So 
to overcome the idea of everything is just totally awful and bad, you have to consider like what would happen if this, this thing I'm worried about actually happened. If you heard rumors that you might get laid off at your work, consider like, okay, what if I did, what would happen next? How would I handle it instead of acting like it's the end of the world? That's a big one. Mm-hmm. It is. It's easy to go worst case scenarios. It sure is. that Because that's it's scary. A, that's a yeah. real scary situation in that example. Yeah. Well, next up is mind reading. The example here is I know people love me because I can read their minds. Um, <laughs> we're, we're assuming, you know, assuming that you know other people's thoughts and that's a dangerous thing. I think most people spend a tremendous amount of time thinking about themselves and kind of what other people are thinking about them and thinking things. I always think of like when you meet someone and you introduce yourself and you immediately forget their name. And it's because you were thinking about what your name is and Mm. what you were going to say in response to the situation that you were walking into. So we're not actively listening, um, but projecting our own thoughts into other people or onto other people, rather um, something that's really, really dangerous and something that's really unhealthy in a lot of different ways. And you know, we're not psychics. We can't, we can't read minds, you know, maybe someone out there listening is a psychic and they can, <laughs> but for most of us, we don't have that power. We don't have that gift. Um, so, you know, s- try to not put other people's thoughts into your own headspace or decide for them what they're thinking or what they're going to do in a situation. And I think also in relationships, like don't assume another person should be able to read your mind. Oh, absolutely. We have to say things out loud, even if we think we're being very blatant about what we're saying we want. My husband taught me that about him real early on. He said, I don't get subtle messages. (laughs) If you want (laughs) something (laughs) from me, you have to say it. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Well, next up we have should statements. And, um, I, I love talking about should statements, um, one of my favorite psychologists, he's passed away now, but Albert Ellis, who developed like cognitive behavioral theory that we use so much in addiction treatment. He always said, you shouldn't should on people. I love that. He also said funny things like we mustn't masturbate, but that all goes along the same line of should statements. It's like, just eliminate should from your vocabulary. There is nothing we should do. It is uh, shaming, like, someone says um, they're feeling a certain way and you say, well, you shouldn't feel like that. It, it makes a person feel pretty bad. If you ever think of hearing it, you probably feel bad. So there's nothing we should do. And that is really, it's unhelpful because it takes positive, like I, I'd like to lose a little weight and makes it seem obligatory. Like I should lose weight. And there's a lot of shame that can come with that. And especially if you already have an issue with that thing. So if you can focus on choice rather than what you should or shouldn't do, and if you should focus on doing the thing that you want to do for just becoming a whole healthier person, it Mm. should, it it should eliminate (laughs) the should statements. Oh, no, you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, you should not. (laughs) So next up is excessive need for approval. I need you to need me. (laughs) Constantly looking to other people for love, for approval, for likes. 
Um, this is something I think of social media, like we're all about those likes on our, you know, on our post and how many likes can we get? How many people are going to, you know, heart us or smile us or thumbs up us. So it's definitely like, um, you know, if you're lacking in confidence, this may be something that you struggle with is seeking other people's approval versus mm -hmm. confident people typically are going to be, you know, confident in their beliefs. They're going to, you know, not need the approval. They're not going to be a place where they're, cons they're concerning themselves with other people's approval. Mm -hmm. I think that's so right on. Be in charge of your own thoughts, your own life, you know, and don't worry about what other people are spending their time thinking about and if they approve or they don't approve. Obviously, there are things in life that we probably should concern ourselves about approval, like, you know, major, major life issues, major life situations. If you're in a relationship or you have a family, you obviously want to seek some approval in those situations. But I think this is more along the lines of just day to day, you know, feeling like, you really just have to have this in order to move on with mm -hmm. your day. Yeah. Like if you don't like me, I'm not okay. Right. Um, the next one is just disqualifying the present. We talk so much about this, that we, we need to focus a little bit on the present rather than like, everything's going to be good later. Like we need to be okay. Even in the moments that suck in life right now, yes, things will get better, but knowing if I'm in a bad situation, go ahead and focus on it. What can I do right now to make the situation better? And what can I do to get through a difficult situation? I think that was in part one, that was a big focus on having more positive self thought, being in the present than getting too far in the future or too far in the past. Like It's mm -hmm. important to have goals. It's important to revisit the past from time to time. But it's also really important to be present and to be grateful and you know just kind of here today totally and if we never focus if we never accept when those moments that aren't good we don't learn how to manage them mm -hmm. so the next one on our list is pessimism so the glass is half empty kind of thinking there's always a good i think to negative even terrible situations that we experience and sometimes the good is hard to find but it's in there and so, you know, trying not to be pessimistic, trying to focus on the realism, the optimism, you know, just kind of those are better ways of, of, of thinking, finding some balance, acknowledge the bad. Also, it's okay to do the same about the good and just kind of spending time thinking about, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we know what the negative is, but let's do kind of a, a list of the positives and see kind of, you know, which which outweighs which, but ultimately trying to kind of shift the focus and acknowledge, you know, what the bad is, but also acknowledge the right and what's okay in the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Having a more balanced mindset, I guess. Yeah. The next type of negative self-talk is actually the most common of all, and it's the if-onlys. You know, I'd be happy if only I had this, if only I had a better job, if only I had a million dollars. And that's a huge excuse. And we, uh, we often use it. Many people use it. So if a statement like that can prevent us from being happy, we need to rectify it with a but. We, I know a lot of people say like, don't use a but in a sentence, but we need to in this case, because if we think if only I were a millionaire, I'd be happy. We need to put a but to that. But if I'm not, I'll still be okay. 
you know, mm-hmm. I would be happy with another job, but if I stay in this job, I'll still be all right. I, I'll still manage through it. Good place for a butt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The next one is the have tos, the tries, and the can'ts. I have to pass this test. I can't solve this problem. I'll try to quit smoking. One thing I have clients do a lot in my office when I used to have people come into my office um, <laughs> is when they would say, I'll try. I would say, try to pick up that Kleenex box and they would either just do it or they wouldn't, you know, it's like, it's, you can't try to do something. You're either doing it or you're not working on getting these things out of your headspace and focusing on things like just rewording. You you mentioned rewording things earlier. And one thing that that made me think of is instead of saying, I have to go to work now, I say, I get to go to work and just that that little change changes my mood. It changes how I feel about going to work just by changing the way I think about it or the way I say it. And so that's like, you know, a very simple example of something that can be very powerful. But these are all things that are inaccurate and unhelpful. And so getting them out of your vocabulary and working towards, you know, the facts and the the data, I think is the, the, should be the goal. Whenever I work with clients in treatment, and especially when people have difficulty with the have tos, we write everything on the board, you know, like I have a, have a group, uh, have ever like it come out with everything you can think of, of like, I have to in life and we exhaust it. And then we go through each one and mark them out if we actually don't have to, like, you know, I have to pay my house payment. The fact is we don't, we know people that don't pay their house payments. There's an alternative, you know, anything that there's an alternative to, we really don't have to. And the only have to in life is death. People used to say like death and taxes, but the truth is you don't even have to pay taxes. People go to prison all the time for not paying taxes. So there's an alternative. And it's like a real extreme example of looking at it. But like you said, I get to go to work rather than I have to go to work totally changes your mood. It just Mm -hmm. changes everything about it. So like when you wake up tomorrow, when your alarm goes off, think of what the first thing is that you say. And if it's like, oh, I have to get up, you may be having a little bit of that negative thinking. And so stop Mm -hmm. yourself right then and start focusing on you get to. I can't, I get to do this thing today. I choose to do this, even if mm-hmm. you can't have to, if you can't get into the, I, I, I get to get to the, I making the choice to do this thing. Yeah. The way we phrase things makes a huge difference in our attitude, our mood, Huge. the effects we have on people around us. Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah. The next one is someday aisle. It kind of goes with eventually. And the one we mentioned earlier about if only, you know, someday I'll be rich, but today you aren't. So how will you cope with today? Those are all important, you know, so someday I'll eventually I'll get married. Eventually I'll retire. But as of today, I'm not. So what will I do until then? Just remembering uh, not to focus too much on what's going to happen in the future, but how you're coping with what's happening now. Now we get to focus on some examples of positive self-talk. So I want to end on an upswing here on the good note. So so one thing is when you're trying something new and it doesn't go as planned, trying to think to yourself, you know, you chose to put yourself out there and although it was scary, 
you can be proud of yourself for taking the chance for taking the risk. So, you know, things like I'm growing with every new thing I try, like that's a positive self-talk, positive mm -hmm. thought that you can have. Um, and just trying that instead of being beating yourself up for things that you can't change, feel good and proud for having tried. I think that's, you know, one of the most important things. That's something we try to like teach our kids, right? Like if you fall down, get up, dust yourself off, keep going, that kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, how you're never going to be perfect at everything you do for the first time or the fifth time. Another Sometimes one at all. <laughs> ever, I mean, you know, but you know, there are some like sport type things that I'm not good at, but I enjoy doing, you know, like right. I still want to bowl when my friends bowl just to enjoy it. I'm not good, but I have fun. So right. why, why beat myself up over how I perform that, you know, it kind of gets in the way of me having fun. Another one is just facing fears. We need to face them head on. We will have fear. I think one of the best things I've ever heard is fear the, feel the fear and do it anyway. We can't let fear hold us back from trying new things, uh, trying things that scare us. Fear is, what is it? Fear either motivates us or keeps us stuck. So mm -hmm. a little bit of fear is good. Mm -hmm. A lot of fear can be debilitating. So putting in perspective. Another one is honesty. Um, when you're, when you, you know, tell people how you really feel. So, you know, be honest, be brave. Don't worry about, like we were talking about earlier, about what they're thinking or what their approval is going to look like, but just rather, you know, what you're honestly feeling. It's better to do that than to stay silent. You know, it's better to let people know how you're feeling than to say nothing. Say what you need to say in the best possible way you can say it. Be specific, be exact, and know that other people need to hear it. If I'm in a relationship with someone, a friendship, a social relationship, any kind, and I ask for your input, I really want to hear what you really think and how you really feel. I don't want to just make all the decisions and you agree with me that usually results in somebody being resentful mm -hmm. and then you know rejection we have to be able to deal with rejection it happens sometimes not every situation is right for us not every person is right for us so even when we're rejected it's important that we balance it out have gratitude for the opportunities we do have and just move through whenever we don't get in the situation that we wanted we get passed by for something our life experience like we said in the previous episode it's kind of like a computer program and if we're programmed with bad quote-unquote information that's kind of like our computer telling us that one plus one equals four so the basics in our computer program are programmed incorrectly. So that means all of the information we get will be incorrect. So we have to debug it, debug the old programming, all the old messages with new, correct, quality, healthy information. So the program runs well again. And doing just those simple things like changing, you know, I have to, to, I get to, you know, need versus want, I need something over, I want something. Just making little changes in, in the way that you think can make, you know, again, a big difference in overall attitude, that little inner voice dialogue that we've been talking about. So just practice, 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 practice. And don't forget that knowledge leads to a life lived better. Thank you for listening to Life Lived Better with Paula and Joseph. 